Hello there. You're about to experience the WhatsApp Church podcast. Can a dude get some Holy Spirit? Well, good morning. We are back here. <clears throat> I am still <laughs> with author, evangelist, and father-in-law, George Alias, coming to you. Um, I'm actually going to put a whole bunch of stuff about his evangelism in our show notes in all these episodes to make sure that you guys have readily available because he has some pretty amazing ministry stuff. So if you're not in Texas and you are in Southern California, um, there's an amazing there's an amazing move of God going on down here, and it's cool to be a part of it. But let's continue with the once saved, always saved topic that everyone knows is the easiest topic in the world <laughs> and has been put to bed. Uh, no. Uh, <clears throat> to quickly recap where we've been so far in this conversation, I think it's very pivotal. We started out from the beginning, and it was kind of um, us really dialing out, like, you know, in terms of repentance, um, your heart posture, like the desires of your hearts. Uh, forgiveness, and then most importantly, free will. I think we landed, those are the real big caveats that we've established in the beginning that are really important to understand and know in this conversation. And then from there, we really went into the scriptures. Like I wanted to really get those out in the front of like, these are the scriptures. And then this is not an exhaustive list. Clearly there is, the Bible is inexhaustible. We can go through this forever and ever and ever, but just for the sake of this context and this platform, we want to highlight some some marquee scriptures that, that everyone knows for the once saved, always saved backbone. I mean, again, that's the Johns, the Romans, the Philippians, you know, the 316, the John 10, and can't pluck you out, those ones. But then really spotlight the scriptures from the word of the Lord, from John himself, again, that kind of go right against that, which is like even John 15, 6, uh, Matthew 24, 13, Hebrews, Revelation, which is probably my favorite one, which is, you know, when Jesus is writing letters to the churches, Talks about being lukewarm. And so I think there is an ample amount of scripture that goes in there. And we agree, George, that scripture, you know, defines scripture. You, you know, it, it interprets itself. You don't get to add or take away from it selectively, take a scripture out of context or make an entire theology out of one scripture. It has to, the entire canon has to be in, in sync. And we believe it is as long as we don't mess it up, <laughs> which is a common theme, but we do it. So today I want to get into the, I guess the beliefs that go along with uh, once saved, always saved. And the big ones I think about are inheritance and then predestination. And there's some other ones in terms of forgiveness and love that if we have time, we can get into, but the two big ones. And so I hate to use Chuck Missler as a punching bag because I love Chuck Missler, you know, but I'm using this this thought process of inheritance is something that I learned from Chuck Missler, you know, and listening to his tapes and his studies and everything else. He was very adamant about you. Once you're saved, your path, like he, he did justification, sanctification, glorification, and he broke up salvation into three specific parts. And justification was once you're saved, that's it. Your passport is stamped. You cannot be unstamped. You, you got a ticket. You're going to the party no matter what. Can't be denied entrance. However, he used sanctification as the inheritance portion where you start being sanctified, living for like, storing up your works, your treasures, your, you know, your Bema seat reward type situation. And for you who don't know Bema seat, just uh, we're not, we're not about that today. So <laughs> read your Bible. Um, 
And so I go back to this idea of inheritance and he used specifically the parable of the prodigal son. And, and this is when I always like what it made sense to me at first when I wasn't reading the Bible that much, but now it doesn't. So if you, the prodigal son curses his father, essentially wants his inheritance immediately, basically in that culture, wishing he was dead, grits his inheritance, goes, takes it, squanders it. When he's out there, comes back, talks to the father and the father just rewards him, puts his ring on him, puts his robe on him, you know? And, and so, so, um, Chuck Mister would say <clears throat> he lost he lost his inheritance, meaning he squandered his inheritance. It's gone. He doesn't get it back, but he never lost his sonship. And I'm like, that sounds that sounds great, right? Like he he never he was never not a son. Like even when he was out doing crazy things, he was always his son. But he doesn't get his inheritance now. I'm like, oh well, that lines up. I totally can hear that from that story. But what was I missing? George, and this is where I want you to come in. Like, what, what, what was the key factor there that 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 was not touched upon? Well, the one thing, and I love the story of the prodigal son, but the one thing that I think is missing from the story is when he was out doing his thing, he said that when he came to himself, the Bible says, when he came to himself and realized his sin, he repented. He he looked at God and said, "God, I have sinned against you and against." kingdom against my father and then he did the same thing to his father came to his father and <clears throat> my my vision just says dropped to his knees and said father i have sinned against heaven and i've sinned against you so repentance i believe plays a key role in everything we do god expects repentance from us because it literally clears our heart of the garbage that we put in and we see that throughout scripture. So then, so then the idea of inheritance, which is again, I, I, please understand that I truly do have a huge heart for Chuck Mister. I appreciate him so much, but he is the, the voice of this, like the Calvary Chapel voice, a lot of Bibles. So he is a large proponent of this and he has, you know, has a, a very large reach. So I'm using him as the example. Um, I lovingly disagree with Chuck Mister, <laughs> but his idea about inheritance, he repeats it over and over again. Like you can lose you can't lose your salvation, but your inheritance is up for grabs. So, so where do we see inheritance in the Bible that supports this? Or is there places that go against this? Because I'm, I'm, you know, like, again, we've talked about this, George. Ephesians is pretty strong on these things, correct? Yeah. So yeah. break it down for us since you're, you're better at this stuff. Yeah, there's several places. And you look in the, uh, <clears throat> in the Greek, it's 28.16 to 28.18 that talks about inheritance and inherit in the Strong's Concordance. But you see this word spoken uh, several times about inheritance. And I have to ask the question, what is it that we inherit when we come to Christ? And, you know, the Bible talks about inheriting the earth. The Bible talks about glorification of your body, um, the New Jerusalem. All that is when we, what we inherit. But the Bible also uses in those words, you inherit eternal life. That's part of our inheritance is inheriting eternal life or being with the Lord. And um, when you look at the many scriptures that talk about inheritance, you see many other ones also that say that you can miss out on your inheritance, and uh, which includes, in my uh, understanding, eternal life. And just sharing three areas of scripture with a deal with this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Paul the Apostle is saying here, 
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, notice what it says. It doesn't say inheriting uh, your, your, your works. Uh, it doesn't say that you're, you're going to miss out on inheriting the earth. It says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says, do not be deceived. Very key. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And so just so I, I always, you hear that, that laundry list, right? And so and I always, I, I interpret that as living in willful sin. Yeah, it goes. it's not it's not someone who who randomly sins. Exactly. People misconstrue that all the time. It's not someone who makes a mistake yeah. and then repents. Yeah. It's not someone who says a bad word and is like, oh my Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't know why that came out of my heart or has a thought that shouldn't be there. It is someone who is in living in consistent, repeated, unrepentant sin, just willful sin. Like we said at the very beginning, God is always going to look at the cry of your heart. And a lot of times we fall short. Every one of us, including myself, have fallen short. And what? <laughs> I did not know that. Exactly. Okay, well, we need to shut this down. Uh, I'm talking to the wrong person uh, here. Exactly. Might as well do that because, <laughs> yes, I am confessing right now I have made my own stupid mistakes. But it's not a matter of when you make those mistakes, you're out and then you repent, you're in and you're out. It doesn't work that way. What happens is God is so merciful and gracious towards us that he constantly comes after you and works uh, to get you back in line. Like, a, like it says in Hebrews 12 about a father that loves us and disciplines him. But he comes after you and works with you. It's when your heart gets so hard, that hardened, that you are not listening to the Holy Spirit anymore. You, you've been seared like with a hot iron, like Paul says to Timothy. And you have just walked away willfully. And your heart literally says, I don't want this anymore. I want to live my own life. And I believe that's possible. It happens to many people. I've seen it happen to people. But let's look at let's look at the other one that's also uh, so clear in the book of Ephesians, chapter five, <clears throat> chapter five, verse three. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Now, keeping in mind, he's talking to a church here. He's not talking to the lost. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to a church, the church at Ephesus. He says fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Let it be not named among you as fitting for saints. You are a saint. You are separated ones, talking to saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather <clears throat> giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, one that has sex outside marriage, unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you. Here, go, go back to Paul's thinking on don't get deceived. Let no man deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness. Now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is a shameful even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes light, makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. To me, that's very clear on uh, that 
word inheritance or uh, to inherit because he's talking to the Ephesian church. And the other one, and I don't, you know, need to spend, because I think you get the idea, but the other one that we find is in the book of Galatians chapter 5. Again, he's writing to the Galatian church, and he's talking about walking in spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, and uh, We can say the entire New Testament is written to believers. Exactly. <clears throat> I mean, well, people... especially, yeah, <laughs> especially, especially from Romans on, these are epistles. Epistles. That's these are saying. letters yeah. to the churches, I mean, to obviously, obviously individual the, people. The, the New Testament Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, Acts, I would say, you know, Luke 2.0. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> our letter is about Christ, obviously. But every epistle from Romans forward exactly. is to believers. Exactly. So, can, like, knowing your audience is key. And interpreting the word like this is not written to some random person who doesn't know who Christ is, who has never been taught about Christ. These are people who have been given. I mean, like an amazing they went to the most amazing conference ever with Paul. <laughs> they went to the most amazing conference ever with John or Peter. You know what I mean? Like they exactly. they got from the horse's mouth the most amazing instruction. And these letters are going back to them about this. Correct. OK, so so just on this one topic on inheritance, I want to just share one more thought here. And this is to the uh, church of Galatia, the, to the Galatian church. In Galatians chapter 5, he's talking about walking in the spirit and do not walk in the flesh. Uh, and so, and then he mentions in verse 19 what the deeds of the flesh are. He's writing to Christians. He's saying the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And he mentions a list uh, of works of the flesh that Paul talks about. Uh, including drunkenness, murder, envy, uh, revelries, and it goes like, of which I, verse 21, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in times past that those who practice such things, keep in mind this is a practicing of. It's yes. not someone that does this periodically, falls short, gets right with God, and, and it's not an in and out situation. It's somebody that literally their heart has been turned over. The scripture uses the term, uh, reprobate or useless is in the Greek. Uh, you come to ruin, you are void of understanding. And this is what it means here is, um, he says, I've told you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say, he talks about the fruit of the spirit, the ninth fruit of the spirit that it mentions in verse 22, which includes self-control. If you are walking in the fruit of the spirit, you are walking in self-control. And then in verse 24, he talks about that if you are Christ, you have crucified the flesh, which is passions, passions and desires. And that's the thing that we have to do. We have to crucify the flesh in order to be able to walk in the spirit. Mm -hmm. That happened when Christ came in to your life, Holy Spirit came in. But it's something that part of sanctification, we have to continue to do in our life so that the flesh does not rise up its head and control you because Paul even said in Romans that whom you yield yourself servants to obey to to that servant you will you know be a slave to and we don't want to fall back to that area of our past so again so I, I look at that as like you know again inheritance of inheriting the kingdom and trying to to dice that into well no 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 you still get the kingdom you just don't get to own it like you don't get the keys and Chuck Mister's famous phrase is like, you might be able to come into the house, but you need to rearrange the furniture. Is his is his statement because you're not a, you're not a son or a daughter now. You're just someone who's there. Um, and again, I I think it misses the the key parts to what, where we don't land on that. And I go back to the prodigal son. Is one the prodigal son did repent, 
But what we don't talk about, though, is who Jesus was really talking to in that parable, and it was to the Pharisees. And it was really landing on the other son, the hard-hearted son, the one that stayed and that and got into religious works. People really miss the – and I don't want to get lost in the weeds on that story, but the parable of the prodigal son should really be either the parable of the, the, parable of the father or the parable of the hard-hearted son. Right. Like the one who stayed begrudgingly, who had a religious spirit, who did the letter of the law of what he was asked without love. Right. Who never loved his father, who begrudgingly did things for his father, who secretly hated his father. Especially when his father showed love and compassion to his son who went crazy. It's like, you know, it's it's people miss the focus of that story. They don't read it in the context of how Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. Okay. That's inheritance, and I, and I think I think we, we 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 do a good picture. Again, at any point in time, you don't agree with us, which could be a lot of this this whole entire thing. Like like, please do your own homework. Like I will. That's what I love about Chuck Minster. Don't listen to me. Do your own homework. <clears throat> These are the things that I think once you read it, it's hard not to understand it this way. Right. Um, I mean, again, I, I misunderstood it for a long time, but I also wasn't reading it. <laughs> so there we go. So let's go back to the one that I think is the the, the one that it played my family. Like my father believed this. I was raised with this. It was it was an issue of like predestination, mm-hmm. right? Inherit like like thinking that once you have predestination, that idea of once saved, always saved, you really automatically line up to well, your actions are irrelevant to your salvation because you were born to be saved. There was nothing you could have done. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do to change that. Well, and that kind of removes free will from the conversation, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like, is that? Exactly. I mean, when people say there's predestination or the elect, the chosen, there's a lot of different verbiage mm-hmm. that we can we can insert there because throughout the Bible it kind of says that. I, I, it, it's crazy to me how you can how you can say free will exists, but also you never had a choice. Exactly. How do you square that circle? Yeah. Like you're like, oh, I, I have free will to choose the Lord. But also, I never had a choice. He he chose for me. Right. I was chosen, and this is a byproduct of him. It means nothing. It kind of like it's like a, it, it's a very nihilistic approach to spiritual matters. If you if that makes sense, either born to die to go, you're either born to go to hell or you're either born to go to heaven. And there's no nothing you didn't matter. Right. And I don't believe that uh, predestination means that at all. But I know that that was taught by John Calvin, Calvinism, uh, and and some people literally still believe that you were born. You were chosen, you were predestinated to go to heaven, and you were not. And it's nothing you can do about it. You don't have a free will in this. But that goes contrary to what the scripture teaches, especially in a couple ones that are very, very uh, important. And in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where he says that he, he desires that no one perish, but that all come to repentance. And it says the same thing in First Peter chapter 2, verse 4, that God desires that no one perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's the heart of God. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thought of the, the initial recap that we've been doing. And God loves you. We see that in Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39 is key. And along with many other ones, Philippians brings this out. The depth and the amazing uh, greatness of God's love towards you. He loves you. But also people tend to forget there's a difference between love and approval. So he loves you and always will. But, and if you're hearing a lot of noise in the background, we're apparently in a live construction zone. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's look at let's look at this little thought here, which is huge in some people's eyes, on the word predestinate or predestination, which includes elect, election, chosen, that whole thought there. But if we go to Romans chapter eight, uh, I think which is like again like one of the best chapters of the New Testament. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, like people like 
whether I don't care what side of the fence you land on this topic, if you don't love Romans chapter eight, I mean, it's such a as for spiritual. It, it's the love of God explained in that chapter is just right. You're like, oh my gosh, like you can't fathom the love of God. It is just That's incomprehensible right. That's right. That's right. how much He loves us, which right. is like incomprehensible yeah. how much we hurt Him when we don't obey Him. Anyway, yeah. and and again, it goes back to though He loves this person but doesn't love this person over here. No, I think He loves everyone. That's oh. very clear in Scripture. For God so loved the world, and. Uh, but look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29, very key scripture here. For whom he foreknew, and you have to understand that that is the foundation to the whole teaching on predestination, is foreknowledge. For whom he foreknew, he predestinated to be conformed to his image of his son. And that's the other thing that deals with the whole realm of predestination, is what is exactly, what did he actually predestinate? And there's several things. First of all, that everybody that's going to come into the kingdom, he did predestinate that, that they must be conformed to the image of his son. He pre, he, uh, they will be conformed to the image of his son and they will have the, the privileges of the kingdom. That is part of the predestination uh, belief or teaching. And that's also it kind of ties back <coughs> into the inheritance. Like you will get the keys of the kingdom. You'll, you'll have access. Correct. Mm-hmm. So he, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined it to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestinated, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. Keep in mind, Jesus himself said, many are called, but few are chosen. Mm -hmm. That whole realm of this little package here is brought up there. Many are called, but few are chosen. But yet, this is Paul, talking about foreknowledge, but look at Peter. Peter, uh, one of the closest apostles that walked with Jesus, in 1 Peter chapter 1 brings this out in verse 2. The elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So, those that are the elect, according to God's foreknowledge, for obedience. And that's very clear to me because I believe that whom God foreknew, and God knows, if we look at Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, it says that he declares the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He knew those that would choose him and walk with him in obedience. And those he foreknew, he predestinated and called and will glorify. It's, it's, it's kind of like... And I think this is where people get really confused on this is that him knowing the answer to the him knowing how you're going to answer the question doesn't mean he told you the answer. Right. Doesn't mean he 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 didn't let you make the mistake. You know, he gave he he obviously we were all we, we were all made at the beginning of the foundation of the earth. You know, he had every one of us. He knew every one of us from the end of the beginning. But when we were created, he knew the decisions. You know, what I mean, he knew the decisions we were going to make. Doesn't mean he took away our free will to make those decisions, right. but he just he wasn't shocked by anything that we did, <laughs> which is why it's so crazy. Uh, you know, when we think about people that we we see in a in tough spots or whatever, and how good God is that He can see through all that. He doesn't see us in our current situation, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. He, he sees the entirety. He sees our heart posture. Uh, you know, and thank the Lord because there's moments where you can take a snapshot of someone's life and be like, "Oh, what is going on?" Um, and and this thing, I think people lose that. Like my father, for example, could not circle the square 
<clears throat> of predestination. Because he he didn't he he thought about well if he already knows what I'm gonna do what's the point of it like he didn't he couldn't get past the uh, I don't know like it thought he thought it he, he couldn't he t- couldn't understand free will with also him predestinate like he couldn't that never he could never square that so he couldn't connect those two dots and it was always like well no me knowing the end of the movie doesn't mean I ch- I directed the movie right you know I I didn't I didn't make these decisions you made them I just know your response right um but I think a lot of people suffer with that. And that's why, like, but when you go in once saved, always saved, you kind of have to right. agree with right. predest- like, right. you know, like, like once your actions are removed from consequence, like I've been saved now, no matter what, this point forward, there's nothing I can do yeah. to not make it in heaven. It's like, well, that becomes a very toxic theology. Absolutely. You got nothing to lose. So might as well live your life the way you want to live it. And people don't say it that way. <clears throat> they don't say it that way, but they act it that way. Right. Their hearts turn that way. They start excusing bad behavior, the fear of the Lord, the <clears throat> the the obedience, the the desire to be in his goodwill. Right. Faith, because what's the consequence? Right. I mean, human nature is human nature. Right. If I don't have to mow the lawn, I'm not gonna. Right. You know, if I don't have to put forth effort to be on work on time, I'm not gonna. Right. Like we, we just naturally will devolve to the worst versions of ourselves, regardless if we have the Holy Spirit or not. Right. So let Living me ask, is me. So let me ask you this question, and I'm, 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 I'm asking this: If you're listening to this podcast, but you still have not been uh, convinced, or you're basically still leaning on, I'm going to go ahead and do what I want because I will never lose anything that God gave me. It's a free gift. It is a free gift. But let me ask you this question, and you have to look at this because if we look at Jesus Himself. And he brings this thought out. And in what we call, what a lot of people call the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter uh, 6, he, ta- he, you know, he basically uh, says the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven. He goes on from there. And then in verse 14, he says, For if you forgive not, if you forgive men their, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not Forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And and this is a very sobering scripture that came from the mouth of our Lord himself. And then it's really brought out strongly in, in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it'll take time. But in verse 21, he talks about this, this parable of this king that literally had lent to this man uh, a large amount of money. And the man fell on his knees and in his face and said, please forgive me and I'll pay the whole thing. And he, the king had compassion on him. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, Okay, I'm going to forgive your debt. Go your way. I will let it go. The man goes out and grabs a hold of a fellow servant that owed him a little bit of money and grabbed him by the throat, threw him in prison and would not forgive him. And then when the king found out what he did, calls him back and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you that whole debt and you could not forgive the least amount of of debt that you had with somebody else. Then Jesus makes this this statement, which is amazing. Uh, He says, uh, so my heavenly father, in verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. So I ask you the question, how do you look at the scripture if you believe that, uh, you know, you can never lose anything that God gave you, but you many times, I've seen it happen in Christian's life, literally say, I will not forgive this person because of what they did to me. And that's brutal. 
<clears throat> because it, again, it goes back to, I, I love that Jesus made it so much deeper than law. It was like, <clears throat> you cannot murder, but the second you have it in your heart to murder, you're a murderer. You know, it, it was so much more difficult. <laughs> People think Jesus was easy. It's like, no, yeah. no, he made, he made, if you thought the laws were hard, they were impossible with God. They were like infinitely impossible with Jesus because it was a heart posture. If you had anger towards, if you had lust towards, it wasn't your physical action. It was everything, your heart posture. Right. And when you read this and, and, you, and, and, and Jesus, I always say, if the author says something, believe the author. Right. So when Jesus is talking, that's the word of God talking. When he says, if you don't forgive, then my, my father won't forgive you. Like you're going to, it's, you know, if you are lukewarm, you will be vomited out. There's so many warnings here in the Bible of behavior, of consequences of behavior that we just look at like, ah, <clears throat> he was just teasing there. Right. That wasn't real. He was just, you know, you know, he was being hyperbolic or whatever. It's like, I don't, and, and a lot of it boils down to not having a, a strong scriptural knowledge and again, when I say a lot of that, I'm, I'm always talking about me, someone who believed once saved, always saved, grew up with it because it sounded good when I was told that as a child, I was younger and I just, it, it got roots in me and it was the driving force behind a lot of my acti actions. It was not the driving force, but it was the safety net that I had walking the tightrope that there's no, there's no, there's no penalty for falling here. Right? There's no penalty for my bad behavior because I'm already saved. I'm good. Like, I'm good. And I didn't have to repent. I didn't have to do any of that because it's done. All my sins, past, present, future, gone. Therefore, I'm good. And not realizing my heart was just turning cold as ice. Right. I, you know, I was a hard-hearted individual. And thank the Lord, I was drawn back. And you could sit there and say, well, that you're being drawn back as proof that you were always saved. It's like, well, what about those that don't? Right, exactly. There's plenty of those that never change their ways. And... And my wife used to ask me, like, if you died in that season when I was living that way, she's like, do you think you would have gone to heaven? And I was always like, I mean, I, <laughs> I hope. I believe I would have. I, you know, because, again, I'm trying to think of the best of myself. But right. really, the worst of myself was existing. Right. Based on scripture, it's like, well, can you sin your way out of salvation? No, I don't think you can. And, and, but you can willfully sin your way out of salvation. Hmm. Like, people confuse sinning of, like, an accident, a mistake, a one time. Right. Right. That that invokes repentance, unforgiveness. Can you live your entire life of unforgiveness and still expect to God to forgive you? Like, can you, can you walk in that complete right. bipolar perspective of like, I don't have to forgive, but I, God better forgive me. Well, <laughs> I, I don't see how you get that. Cause yeah. the scripture says specifically, no, um, you know, like your free will is never taken away from you. Your desires of your heart will, will always be what's being looked at. Right. And if your desire of your heart was to be unforgiving and to live in willful sin and everything else, well, the Lord has to take what it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. doesn't mean he's, he's enjoying punishing you on the day of judgment, right. but that doesn't stop him from being a just God. He, right. he, he can't lie. <laughs> and his words are pretty obvious. So that's just where we're at right now. Um, I think this is a good spot to, to stop for this and that, you know, I, I, this is a cool conversation topic that will, that, I do not in any way, shape, or form think this podcast is going to solve. I, I don't think it at all. I just want to plant some seeds, hopefully, of people who might be on the other side of this, that we don't talk about it very much in the once saved, always saved. It's kind of a topic that just gets kind of like, you know, like not a foreboding topic, but we just don't really address it because I think it causes a lot of strife. Right. I think people who are on one side of the fence or the other, let me just say it this way, people like myself who were on the other side of the fence originally mm – -hmm. 
are very defensive right. and immediately get active. Like, you know what I mean? Feel like you're attacking, being attacked because like, how are you questioning my faith? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, <laughs> I'm not questioning it. The Bible, you know, you're, you're, you're mad at the messenger. It's the you're wrong, wrong person here. And if your faith is so, if, if this question makes a difference, let's put this way. That's always phrased it to my friends who, who, who disagree. If the answer to this question matters, then your, your faith is probably not being walked out properly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like if you're walking in obedience, if you're walking in repentance, if you're walking in love, that this is an irrelevant question, not irrelevant, but you know what I mean? Like, like it's not going to impact your day. If you're someone who's trying to just get into heaven, you know what I mean? Just get your passport stamped right? and then live life the way you want to live. Well, then this, this question should deeply concern you. Absolutely. Deeply Absolutely. concern you. Absolutely. Did you want to say something? No, I, I just wanted to just say, just walk with him, abide with him, live in him, walk a, a, a life that uh, speaks holiness and um, the fear of God and you'll be fine. But uh, but there's so much so much more that we could actually bring yeah, up. This is a tip yeah, of the tip exactly. tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Like, like there's so much when it comes to walking with the Lord. So this is we were just really talking about the one saved, yeah, always exactly. saved. I mean, again, people have been teaching for thousands of years on this. You know, at this point in time, and we still have confusion in right. certain places. But yeah, I, we hope this has been at least entertaining and fun and, and thought provoking for someone. If you are on one side of the fence, maybe you'll consider the other side. If you're on the, you can possibly lose your salvation, maybe this gives you more ammo to, to really reinforce your thought process or at least right. question your theology because that was what had to happen to me. Like I had to walk through this by fire over the last three years of really where I stood to where I'm at now has changed completely and it's all been scriptural. Right. It hasn't been someone just jabbering in my ear about I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Right. It came from the word. And once you start reading it, and listening to it and taking it seriously, I landed here. I, my thoughts changed. And I was like, wow, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And now I don't believe I am. However, it's fun to, it's fun to like, you know, hey, we all have blind spots. And now I see your life, Daniel, and I see passion. I see desire. I see holiness. I see uh, a walk that fears God, that looks to him and, and, and looks to please him and not just or pleasing yourself only is looking to him and saying, God, I want you and I want you what you want in my life. I see that in you. And that blesses me to be able to uh, see you walk your walk with the Lord like that. Dude, see, you get your father-in-law a good Father's Day present and you get compliments like that, people. Right. That's how you do it. <laughs> no, it, it really is. It's a true statement though. Like yeah. once you change your perspective of taking his word seriously, the only byproduct is love, devotion, right. all the Lord being in his will. And I have a long way to go on that, clearly. Um, we all do, you know, but that wouldn't have started if I didn't correct this initial awe of God perception. And once saved, always saved, removes all the Lord. That's right. <laughs> like, like once that was the, the a, a linchpin to my theology, my personal thought process about what I can get away with. Well, I don't have to fear the Lord if he can't punish me now. If there's no consequences of my behavior, well, then why would I fear? Mm -hmm. Why would I have reverence, veneration, love? I should. I should. I should. Right. But the human in me didn't. So the sin in me didn't. And I think a lot of people are – I'm not unique there, I don't believe. Um, but this is awesome. I really enjoyed this. This is such fun conversations. 
And uh, we're going to have some more of these for sure. But we, we thank everyone for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon. All right? So, bye! You have been listening to What's Up Church Podcast. Just know you are cooler than all your friends that didn't.